1: It was Australasia 2, Asia 0 on day 3 of the World Cup. New Zealand cruising to a 10 wicket win over Sri Lanka at Cardiff, before Australia beat Afghanistan by 7 wickets with plenty of overs to spare. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. And joining me on the phone from Melbourne is Sam Perry, Australian cricket writer and co host of the smash hit podcast, The Grade Cricketer. Sam, welcome to the show.
0: Joe, absolute pleasure to be here talking to you from my car uh, in South Melbourne.
1: And I make it, it's about 7am your time, is that right?
0: That's right, yeah, 10 past 7am, a few cheers have gone up after uh, Liverpool's victory. Uh, I'm here bleary-eyed, um,
1: supporting neither Liverpool nor Spurs, uh, just reveling in Australia's victory overnight. Yeah, were you relieved to wake up to a resounding win? Did you go to bed with any fears of, a, of an upset? <laughs>
0: Not really. I wouldn't say fears of an upset. I mean, from a cricket uh, fans' perspective, it would have been fantastic, you know, to wake up to learn that Australia had been destroyed by Rashid Khan and would have to, you know, reassess their entire campaign. But I suppose, yeah. I mean, from a work perspective, waking up uh, after getting a few precious hours of sleep, it was nice to know that, well, you know, that what we expected to happen. Happened. Uh, Australia scored the runs fairly easily and uh, didn't suffer too much damage at the hands of uh, Afghanistan's three uh, spinners.
1: So, what is there? We generally start the show with your moment of the day. Was there one moment that particularly stood out for you, Sam? Uh,
0: there was one moment that stood out for me that made me sort of raise my eyebrows a little bit. It was it was the third ball of the day. Uh, it was Mitchell Stark uh, knocking over Shazad, yeah. the, uh, the keeper batsman, and um, it wasn't that Australia had gotten off to a, you know, a wonderful start necessarily. It was just the nature of the delivery. So, you know, Australia's entire pace bowling and bowling fortunes almost hinge on whether Mitchell Stark can elicit any movement at all with the ball. Mm. Uh, and he was able to do it uh, with that particular delivery. I know there's been a lot of conversation about whether these are white kookaburras actually do move, do indeed move, uh, and if it's not a wonderful ploy from, uh, from England to stop that altogether. Just conspiracy theories there. But... Um, uh, it, he he got the ball to swing back in, and uh, you know while I think a guy like Shazad and a few of the other Afghanistan batsmen found themselves a little out of their depth in terms of dealing with 150 kilometer per kilometer uh, per hour balls, and who wouldn't? Um, that was a searing delivery and, and one worthy of probably knocking over some uh, higher order batsmen later down the tournament. So. Um, uh, I just thought it was interesting to see was swinging the ball. It's a function of his technique. It's a function of um, whether he's able to get it shaping. I think it was a good sign for Australia that he was able to shape the ball early on in his uh, spell.
1: Yeah, as you say, promising signs. And it did it did strike me watching Australia's attack today against uh, an Afghanistan batting lineup that are kind of they boom or bust, aren't they? There's a lot of boundaries in there, but it's, they kind of impulsive playing of the hook shot lost them lost some kind of soft wickets there. You look at the rest of Australia... So Cummins and Stark, undoubtedly world-class performers. You look at the rest of that Australian attack today. Zampa, who took three wickets but went for a few. Coulter Nile, uh, who's obviously got a lot of talent but hasn't got a kind of established record. And then you're looking at Stoinis and, and maybe Maxwell for a few. Do you sense that the rest of that bowling attack is a bit vulnerable if they don't get those wickets first up?
0: Yes, very much so, Joe. Uh, and I think Adam Zamper is a particularly important cog in that wheel, you mentioned that he did go for a few runs, and I guess that can happen to Leg Spinners. He considered 21 from an over where Rashid Khan took to him, and he actually kind of got under his skin a little bit. He started bowling full tosses and long Mm. hops, etc. But um, in a tournament where, and I know everyone's talking about bounces as a tactic at the moment, but I do think that the the double spin attack is going to become more important as the good teams start playing against each other where those middle overs are really important. Australia do have that capacity to look a little bit benign uh, in relation to a lot of the, uh, the the teams that will go deep in the tournament and that puts a lot of, i say pressure, but it puts a lot of onus on Adam Zampa to be that point of variety. I mean, if they're going to play three quicks otherwise and then Marcus Stoinis, uh, three of those are right arm over the wicked bowlers uh, and then they're Stark... Zampa's is going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of offering some variety, in terms of uh, being somewhat to go to, uh, to change the pace, etc. Uh, you know, in term when it comes to mystery spinners, he's, he's reasonably easy to pick. Mm. I know he bowls a lot of uh, overspin, a lot of wrong ends, etc. Uh, I thought he bowled well otherwise, uh, from the uh, uh, other than the twenty one that he conceded off that one over. But uh, whether he can carry Australia's kind of title hopes. Um, you know, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting with Australia because there are some obvious areas of slight weakness, but there are obviously some incredible strength in there as well. And well. We'll come on to the Finch and Warner opening partnership in a bit. But we look at Australia over the last kind of couple of years. 18 defeats in 22 ODIs after the 2017 Champions Trophy. Uh, obviously attracting a lot of sympathy in English cricketing circles. We were really worried about you guys for a, for a little while there. Thank you. Uh, but then it. then we had... Just, just when the tournament's around the corner, these away series wins against Pakistan and India, then a victory over England, and the warm-ups, which you can make of, make of that what you will, but still, it's, it seemed like a significant kind of signpost in the way that Australia have gone this past calendar year. Please tell me, Sam, that Australia aren't going to kind of rally and win this thing after being desperately poor for the last couple of years. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm not sure whether to, whether to tap into this kind of, like, uh,
0: this whole DNA psychology prism that I think a lot of uh, people like to understand Australian cricket through, both here and abroad, um, I, I can kind of assage a few of your fears. I do think if you look a little more deeply into some of Australia's ODI results, uh, while there's been sort of... Many, many consecutive wins, etc., and World Cup warm-up wins uh, and all that sort of stuff. If you do drill into it a little bit, uh, only a couple of them, I think, were truly impressive, Uh, and and that was the away series win to India, uh, which featured a blistering innings from Ashton Turner to turn the tide, and, um, and then they didn't even pick him anyway. Uh, I, I do think that, I mean, who was it the other day? Ed Cowan said the other day that they'd be doing very well and be very happy with the semi-final spot. That's kind of where I'm pitching Australia at the moment as well. That's yeah. not trying to undersell them to overachieve later. Uh, I, I think out of respect to uh, teams like, especially like England and, and India, who just offer a little bit more power, a little bit more variety with the ball, I think Australia's best shot is to go deep in the tournament and then see if they can, if someone can do something uh, spectacular.
1: Yeah, I mean, but in Finch and Warner, they have got, I mean, we've got a lot of good opening partnerships in this tournament. Besto and Roy, Aravit Sharma and Dawan, obviously, uh, Zaman and, and Imam at Pakistan have got a formidable record as well. But watching Finch and Warner today, I mean, the way Finch came out was just batting absolutely, I mean, he's just batting out his boots. I've seen him a lot at Surrey in T20s where it looks like he can hit every ball for four or six. And he looked a bit like that again today. And then by contrast, we had this kind of very controlled, sedate innings from David Warner. Is this the new, responsible Warner that we've, we've been hearing about?
0: <laughs> Have we been hearing about that? I'm not sure <laughs> where that's been heard about. Um, you guys must be getting different press to me. But, I think um, it's Warner's press, but... Yeah, right, right, I understand. That is a big machine, incidentally. But yeah. um, it was quite pleasing to wake up to the news that Aaron Finch had hit the ball well. <laughs> doesn't feel like Aaron Finch has hit the ball well for quite a long time. I think he'd say that by his own admission. Uh, be, because I do have some nerd tendencies, not a lot, but some, I did try and do a, a sweeping look at Australia's strike rate, relative strike rates uh, to other countries, especially England, recently. And I was a bit surprised to learn that Finch is striking at around 86 in ODI cricket. I mm. thought it was far higher. It was explained the other day that he probably has slowed down in the search for form recently, so uh, and even the, even the innings in Pakistan recently where he did uh, score quite a few runs still weren't that, in that kind of blistering characteristic that we've come to uh, understand that Finch possesses, but uh, it was nice to wake up this morning to say that he was hitting the ball really nicely and crisply. I don't know what it is about TVs here in Australia, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but every sound off the blade with the coverage sounds like it's been hit with a wooden mallet. No no shot sounds good, but with Finch this morning, uh, the, the ball Sound really good Off the bat So uh, it, it was pleasing To see that As for Warner I'm not sure How you can read Into it I mean Australians I think this is One of their Weaknesses As a batting Unit uh, And it was Put to me By uh, a fairly Senior coach who I don't think Would want to Be named But they have an almost unhealthy obsession with milestones, Australia. You know, mm. to the point where they would rather have two guys hit, you know, hundred off a hundred, rather than four guys hit, you know, two hundred, uh, you know, four guys hit sort of eighty off sixty, you know, sixty off forty, or something like that. Um, whereas I think the English guys do do that. I'm not sure whether you know Warner's um, slower. It was just in pursuit of a milestone, but uh, it's good to see numbers
1: against his name. That is an interesting point. I mean, I've spoken to Jason Roy about exactly that, and the, the, the milestones. I mean, it's easy to say this, but I actually the way he plays, it, you tend to believe it that actually those milestones aren't really significant. the milestone is the team total. The individual milestones sure they 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 come because they're playing so well, but that's that's not the not the focus. Uh, I think that's quite unusual I think that's quite unusual. I think even fans find that quite difficult because as fans we we want players to get to a hundred that that's a significant moment at a match that we remember. it's a thing that makes a match more memorable it's, it's the thing that sticks in your mind
0: absolutely. and. I thought that might have been a reason that Australia, if Australia had decided to come to its senses around this kind of stuff, because it's, it, is, it actually makes sense when you think about 50 overs a finite amount of time and you have 11 batsmen to score as many as possible. But, you know, if you can manage the risk across the team, then the 60 or 40 player is mathematically more valuable than the 100 of 100. I thought with that in mind that uh, that statistic we keep hearing about Kawaja's selection um, over Sean Marsh, that while he is averaging 57, it is, it is it's not for nothing that he averages 57 it shows that he's in form but it is slightly moot I don't think it is as valuable today as it might have been say five or six years ago and I did note Glenn Maxwell talking about this uh on um Friends of Wisdom Adam Collins and Jeff Lemons podcast recently the final word saying mm. that the only stat that really matters to him is his strike rate he, he was able to list off the top of his head what Josh Butler stri- uh was striking out what Andre Russell was striking out what he was striking at. he couldn't go to the second decimal point uh, uh, granted But um, he said he knew that better than his average as well. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Australia... I mean, Australia's carrying Kawaja Smith marsh a lot of these sort of controlling rotating batsmen into the lineup interesting to see how many of them actually operate as role players and are prepared to go for that 60 or 40 i think they'll need to if they're going to beat some of the better teams
1: it's interesting that that importance of strike rate i find it now when i'm putting together a a piece for the magazine wisdom cricket monthly and you're doing like a little potted profile to go alongside a player putting their average in odi cricket particularly t20 feels increasingly archaic i mean the, the strike rate is the thing, isn't it? That's what players point to and that's what gets you IPL deals as well, really. Um, We should also uh, touch on Afghanistan here as well. Um, I mean, it was always going to be a tough challenge against the kind of inform Australian side. The batting frustrates me because obviously the Afghanistan story is a fantastic one um, and we all want them to do well. But it does feel like sometimes the batting hasn't progressed over the last few years like you might have wanted it to.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting one to watch. I was uh, live looking for the Guardian. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention other publications. That's fine, we can there. do I that. That's all right. <laughs> I just did it, um, and I did have a few people writing in to me, a bit bemused at kind of how healthy skelter their batting was, you know, in responding to Australia's pace battery, etc. But you know, as any club cricketer would know, you know when. Guys are bowling very fast to your head. There's a lot of adrenaline a uh, all of the time, and you do often you do tend to swish at things. And you know the alternative for, for Afghanistan, I mean, they will bowl out in the 38th over uh, w- would be to try and defend and see out the 50 overs and essentially be sitting ducks. Uh, it, you could see a lot of T20 experience with a lot of their shots. You know, there was a lot of front leg clearing. There was a lot of um, lusty swats and swipes uh, through that arc. You know, from cover point uh, all the way through to mid wicket. Uh, sometimes it was effective, but you did feel like there was going to be a ball with their name on it, uh, particularly when it was uh, dug in short. But I thought Rahmat batted well. Uh, I thought uh, obviously uh, Najibullah was mm. really good with the bat as well. I mean, he looked um, he looked the most assured of all coming in at number seven. And uh, Rashid Khan, you know, was good for twenty-seven off eleven as well. Uh, I ho- hopefully, they can do some damage uh, against perhaps some of the uh, the, the teams with. Fewer desires on winning the tournament, but um, and and I'm not sure what I'm not sure what they would have taken at the start of the day. It was 207, I must say. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe they could have clawed towards 250, but um, but there were a couple of occasions there as well where you were just thinking, this is too quick. <laughs> the ball's yeah. too quick. You can just tell by the um, by the reaction time. I suppose I don't mean to put um a condescending tone on professional players. Uh, it's more out of respect for balls coming through at 145 to 150 k's an hour.
1: Sure, that that's what frustrated me though, that it was that one over from Stoynis that he got Najibullah and Gorbadin, the captain who'd been going nicely with two short balls and Stoynis is obviously not bowling at those speeds. And it felt like that was the moment really where they could have just been we want them to see the play their shots, that's their natural game. He wants just to be a little bit smarter and they could have been up there towards two fifty. As it was, I mean that wouldn't that wouldn't have been enough anyway, um, given the way the match went. They they're playing Sri Lanka on I think Tuesday. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, do you see that being a kind of battle for the wooden spoon or is it a bit early to, to be saying that?
0: You know, if you'd asked me before the tournament began, I would have been um, far too polite uh, to go that far. Uh, but having watched both teams uh, in operation, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. Uh, I was I was hoping particularly with uh, Afghanistan's a trio of spinners, you know, two of whom, you know, one of them's third in the world and the got one's tenth, um that they might be a bigger shout, you know, of beating other teams, but uh, their batting looks like it might hold them back a lot. So, mm. yeah, I, I'm sure both both sides will be wanting to win that match.
1: Which takes us on to New Zealand-Sri Lanka. Uh, so, yeah, that was at Cardiff, the earlier game, for those of you who are still catching up. Uh, New Zealand won in just 45 overs total uh, of cricket. Matt Henry and Lockie Ferguson taking three wickets apiece to bowl out Sri Lanka for 1-3-6. And then Martin Guptill and Colin Munro hit unbeaten half-centuries in a 10-wicket thrashing Sam, I was interested, how, how do Aussies generally feel about the New Zealand cricket team? Is there some sort of, is there a neighbourly affection there? Or is there, are they getting a bit bit good these days? <laughs>
0: you know, it depends on what side of politics you're on. Sorry to introduce that, Joe. But I mean, there's a lot of people on certain side of politics who look very affectionately at New Zealand and think they're just, they're, they're nice. Uh, people uh, they succeed in rugby union. Um, they put out a cricket team to be proud of, uh, who you know everybody's describing as their dark horse for the competition. They generally behave themselves uh, in an exemplary manner. Y- you know, I'm not sure it's, that the feeling is mutual, and I'm not sure if it's, a con- it's condescending to just look at them with brotherly love, uh, because I think they could inflict some, um, some problems on Australia down the track as well. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, they they, they have a really good one day unit. New Zealand I'm not sure Australia over here takes much notice um, of, of New Zealand I'm not sure they take much notice of anyone really I mean I think I've, I've described it in a separate place that Australia understands sport through the prism of what they achieved in 1999 I think most people here are kind of watching the footy uh, waiting to get deep into the tournament and then to kind of Think that England, like many many English people, I, I've heard, might uh, capitulate in semi-finals, and for Australia to just you know do wonders because that's our birthright. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure that's exactly how it's going to go, <laughs> uh, and I think New Zealand, I think New Zealand might have have something to say about this tournament as well.
1: Yeah, well, they've certainly got... I mean, it was telling today that Matt Henry probably wouldn't have played if Tim Southey had been fit and he comes in and, and takes those wickets with a new ball when you would have potentially expected Trent Bolt to do that. So they've got they kind of got all bases covered. I would say spin, like Australia, is perhaps a potential weakness. They had Santner playing today, Ish Sodhi, the leggy um, on the sidelines today. That's They haven't got a world-class spinner, you'd say?
0: Mm, yeah, uh, you know, when you're, you're talking about uh, sides that have kind of, you know, a deal, Rashid or Imran to here, even um, then the, the, it, it is a second tier or third tier uh, run that I think you find New Zealand's spinners on. And like I said, I do think that will come into play later in the tournament. That said, uh, you know, I know it's kind of not. It's a bit of a faux pas to talk about the colour of wickets, and I'm actually genuinely red green colour so I always have to double check myself. But like when I when I did turn on the TV, I did think there was a contrast problem. Uh, I didn't think spin was too big a deal an issue today. So. Uh, looking at it.
1: Um... <laughs> And then Sri Lanka, I mean, there weren't high expectations for them ahead of this tournament, um, but in one sense, their game plan worked perfectly. Uh, Dimuth Karuna Ratne recalled to the side after four years to be the anchor to bat through the innings, and that's exactly what he did. 52 not out at the end. Only problem is the rest of his teammates offered a combined total of 84. Uh, 11 of those were extras. Uh, And actually, he was my moment of the day. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Sam, but um, Karuna Ratne ducked a free hit, which I think is a first. uh, A short ball from Lockie Ferguson, and he, he was just in his test match opener mode, and just got underneath it, let it let it go past. Which, which, oh, yeah. which I mean, sure, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I mean, I do, he's playing the anchor role, but perhaps that's taking safety first uh, a little bit far. Um, I mean, I think we've all we've all enjoyed watching Sri Lanka over the years. They've had some unbelievable cricketers and done some unbelievable things. But this side, they don't look great, do they? On paper or in practice? No, they no, they don't. And you're right. It it is sad. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sort of uh, no
0: problems. 33 years old, and I remember. Uh, I mean, my first, the first World Cup I remember is 1992, but I think my you know brain started working better <laughs> in 1996, and uh, I, I do remember my parents telling me about the story of Sri Lanka growing as a cricket nation. I remember you know Rada and Jaya Saria um, you know, going ballistic in World Series cricket against Australia and thinking, God, these guys are incredible, you know, they've revolutionised the the game. And I, I had come to believe that Sri Lanka had risen, you know, from being uh minnows that had been tonked around into uh a you know, a very, um, you know, proficient, prolific side in their own right. And obviously they then won that ninety six World Cup and uh generally were able to compete. And it feels you know, the the regression is quite stark, isn't it? And it's sad to see. I do hope that they can uh, that they can fix it up. I mean, I, I know um, I'll always carry the, the memories of them being excellent in 1996. It always feels like that they're a side that can knock you over on your day. They obviously did that in chess cricket against South Africa recently. Uh, but we did see them out here in Australia uh, sort of four or five months ago. And uh, it was, you know, they, they weren't able to really take a fight to Australia in any sustained way. Uh, so, look you know, fingers crossed they can pick it back up.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, our Aussie correspondent for Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Adam Collins, who's obviously a good friend of yours, uh, in the predictions for this tournament, wrote that it's sad to see Sri Lanka the side that kind of tore up the rule but for one-day cricket, playing the most backward one-day cricket of perhaps any side in the tournament. And I think um, that's already been shown to be to be true in the warm-ups and then and in the first game of the... Of the World Cup, unfortunately. But as we say, uh, Afghanistan next up for them on Tuesday, um, which does at least give them an opportunity to get a win on the board. And then and then who knows from there? I, do, I mean, I interviewed Karina Ratna just before the World Cup and, and asked him about this squad, which is was a bit bizarre. They've got several players who haven't even played ODI cricket for a few years. Uh, someone like Dinesh Chandamau who has got a proven record. I know he's not been in great form, but the proven record, he's just sitting back home kicking his heels. So I asked Karina Ratna. what... is this this potentially a problem? And he obviously said, no, they're all ready to go. What else can he say? But it does feel like he's been thrown a bit of a hospital pass here.
0: Yeah, I I, I get the impression without being uh, any kind of um, foreign affairs expert that there are issues running deeper in Sri Lanka uh, um, beyond its own cricket. Obviously, cricket's supremely important to the country as well. (laughs) But um, uh, I I would hesitate to guess that uh, there's a Correlation um, between mm. what's happening there and then the, the fortunes of their cricket side as well. So, I, I, I really hope that they can turn it around because you know when Sri Lanka is playing uh, its own style of cricket in an excellent way, it's just wonderful to watch. Uh, so, fingers crossed.
1: Uh, and more generally, um, we were we were promised a run fest, or perhaps we were promising people a run fest as as, as journalists on this. Uh, it's not materialised so far. Should we now expect? bowlers to have things a bit more their own way than we might have thought or is this more a reflection of the one-sided nature of the games we've had so far and and the fact that three of the stronger teams have, have, have uh,
0: fielded first? Yeah, you tell me, Joe. I mean, England's been uh, planning this World Cup for years. I'm sure everything is detailed down to, you know, the absolute finest. Um, so, um, but, but I mean, cricket's one of those games, isn't it, where like you know, a guy hits a ball for four through a gap, so you plug that gap because that's what happened the last ball. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors there that make a re- make it reasonable to conclude that there's going to be a lot of runs down mm-hmm. the track. Uh, the only thing that seems to be getting in the way is maybe a little bit of weather and some uh, some pitches that look uh, that seem to have a, a bigger tinge of green than normal. Uh, I'd expect as the tournament deepens that there's going to be some whiter coloured pitches, uh, some. Um, faster outfields, obviously there's already short boundaries, it completely suits England uh, for that to be the case so I, I would expect that will be the case I, I, I think 500 still on
1: Yeah well, I, I agree as well and I think I think 10.30 starts have perhaps had an impact so far, we might see openers reigning themselves in just for that first few overs before then really going for it also it's interesting what you say perception wise there because I was at England South Africa at the Oval on, um, on Thursdays just as a punter, my the only time I'm going as a punter for the whole tournament, and it was absolutely glorious. Um, but it struck me, without seeing regular replays like I would at home or in the press box, I thought that looked like a really good pitch. I mean, the way Morgan batted, the way Root batted, it looked to me like a like it should have been a 340, 350 pitch. But by the end, everyone's saying, well, England did all right to get to 306 or whatever it was, and then South Africa capitulates, so it ends up being described as not a particularly good batting pitch. But to me, I, I, I thought that looked... Pretty reasonable, really, and maybe not the Trent Bridge belt that we've had in, in when we've been scoring kind of three eighty, but it still looked like a pretty good one to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's
0: interesting you say that being out there. I mean, and also kudos to you, you know, going out with the great un- unwashed, you know, without your media pass as well, Joe. I mean, um,
1: any chance I get? It, Sam. But, um, <laughs>
0: no, no. I mean, that is, that is good. It's interesting that you say being out there live uh, that you thought the pitch looked pretty good o- on TV. I thought it was. I expected it to be flatter. uh, It it did seem to be a fraction slow. Uh, But, yeah, look, I I do think they'll flatten out. I do think that England will hit their stride with the bat. Uh, So, and I do think, yeah, the the sun will probably bake the pitches a little bit more as the tournament goes on as well. So, yeah, I'd expect some higher scores. Although, you know, Virat may have been right as well. Perhaps the pressure uh, might actually sort of reduce scores Mm. uh, beyond those warm-up matches as well.
1: We need a decent game as well, don't we? That's what the tournament really needs. Yeah. We've, we've had, I mean, England South Africa was an exciting game, but you didn't, you didn't get the close finish that it looked like might be on the cards at one stage. And then the other three have really been, been walkovers. Um, South Africa Bangladesh tomorrow. Do you expect? Can Bangladesh compete more than? Well, actually, yeah, we have had three Asian sides, three Asian sides defeated so far. Can Bangladesh put up more of a fight than than what we've seen so far?
0: Uh, you know, I'm so reluctant to make calls on anybody that hasn't really started yet in sure. the tournament. Uh, I, 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 you know, England really um, fairly dispatched of South Africa. I thought I'm not sure whether that says more about England or South Africa. I've been surprised uh, that so many people, are, are, I wouldn't say, ri- are riding off South Africa, but they seem to belong in that second rung of teams with tournament ambitions according to what people are saying uh, I, I think it's th- this is going to be an interesting one for them to see where they're at uh, so I, I, I would pick a South Africa win uh, mm. over Bangladesh there but i uh, reluctant to
1: say until I actually see a team Alright well I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up uh, it's been so lovely to have you on the show Sam thanks so much for coming on uh, and I hear as I was just talking to you at the start of the show live, live grade cricketer shows in the UK this summer and, and sales are going well apparently yeah, we, I would say that, wouldn't I? But uh, yeah, we the, the Dave,
0: uh, Ian, and I are heading over to the UK to do our live shows. We did them through Australia. They were uh, great fun, great success. A lot of people came out. You know, we think that people are sick of uh, cricket entertainment with a material source before nineteen seventy-five. You know, the same last year, so it's been. Um, has been, you know, owning that after-dinner scene uh, this entire time. So really we see it as a community service. But, yeah, we are heading out from August uh, 3 to 16. We're doing Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester and London. Um, we had some really pleasing news about our London tickets uh, the other day. Um, they they nearly went uh, in a day. So there's Fantastic. some talk of a second show. Can't say too much. I don't even know what the protocol on this kind of stuff is, but um, we like to – you know, for as many people to be able to come out as possible. So, uh, yeah, you can, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what websites to go to. It feels, it feels a bit crass. Just, you know, type in the great cricket into Google and live shows. I'm sure it
1: will come up. It's all on your Twitter uh, feed if, there if as well, isn't like,
0: it? Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, shamelessly so,
1: actually. Well, thanks so much, Sam. Um, hopefully, we'll be hearing more from Sam over the course of the tournament. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with Phil Walker, assuming he can recover himself after Spurs' defeat tonight. Uh, And South African journalist Daniel Gallon will be dissecting South Africa's clash with Bangladesh at the Oval. As I said, it's three defeats from three for the Asian side so far. Can the Tigers buck the trend? Uh, This has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify.